Welcome to the Every Nation Dorado Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. Good evening, good evening, church. How are you doing this evening? You're doing great. So, what you might think will be two messages, uh, it's going to be two messages, not two sermons. So what we're going to do this evening, in my first few minutes, I'm going to spend on on the vision of the evening service. So it's about a year ago, more than a year ago, that we launched this service, and there was a particular reason behind it. And we have been wrestling through clarity and fighting and going back and forth, but I believe that God has given us a direction on why did we launch this service. But before we start that, while we were worshiping, I just really uh, felt in my heart as I was, uh, there was a moment where I became quiet and I could hear all the, the, the voices. You know, you could hear the noise, you hear the sound, you hear how loud it is. And I really, as I was listening to that, I felt God putting in my heart and saying, in that same way is how my gospel will sound in this city. In that same loudness, in that same roar, with that same passion, with that same vibrance, that same excitement, is what you and I will take into this nation and into this city. And with that same way, in the same way we worship God in this moment, is the way it will go and flow out into this city. And God is inviting you and I to be part of that. Imagine that. Imagine the God of heaven and earth is saying, you and I can be involved in leaving a legacy in this city and in this nation and beyond. And secondly, as we move to the vision of this service, God truly and, 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 and consistently spoke to me, and you have probably heard me say it many times in my sermons, and it is so unplanned, and that's why I started realizing there's something prophetic about it, and it's something profound in our context where God was speaking about that we will be Christians Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We will not just live for this moment, but we would live the the life that Christ has given us every single day of our lives. And that's what God is pressing upon this service. And that's what God is doing in our midst. And like I said, God is inviting you and I to be part of that. So let me give you a scripture So you're going to hear a lot. Just take, I'll give you the key points. Um, In Colossians, maybe you guys can just open it if it's possible. If you can just help them there. Colossians 1, around verse 24. This is starting with the vision of the service. This is what I felt God placed on my heart um, as we are leading this service. And everybody's coming. And this this is basically almost saying this is what we commit to do. Uh, And in Colossians 1, if you have your Bible, open up on your phone, open up in your Bible so you can follow with me. Colossians 1 verse 24. Colossians 1 verse 24. Are we there? Okay. So now I rejoice in what I'm suffering for you. And And I fill up in my flesh what is still lacking regard Christ. Christ's afflictions for the sake of His body, which is the church. I've become its servant by the com- commission of God, by the commission God gave to me to present to you the Word of God in its fullness. Let me just see, sorry. Let me just see what verse is that, 26. Okay, so I want to read from this side. You guys can follow on the screen. It's very similar, just maybe different wording. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the Word of God uh, fully known. One thing we commit to the service and as we preach and every person that would step here is that we will stay faithful to Scripture. We will make sure that this service, we will only make the Word of God fully known. Not our opinions Not what we think, but the Word of God will be our final authority that you and I would live by. And then it continues, the mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to His saints. To them God chose, 
Verse 27, To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Him we proclaim. Who will we proclaim here? Who will we proclaim to the city? Jesus. Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. So here's the commitment. I promise you that from this side, we will give our best to get you to grow up in Christ. That's the aim. I do not want us to build a service that is all about consuming and what we can give you and how you feel and, and if you felt the certain way and oh, was the, was the worship the right way? Did I feel the right things? And did I get the goosebumps? But that you will actually, you and I will actually mature in Christ. What does it mean to mature in Christ? It means that we will put the power of the church back in the hands of the people. It means that you and I will be equipped. You will be equipped to go and do the work of the ministry according to what Ephesians 4 is telling us. And so that you can uh, grow up in maturity. Here's what I want to guarantee you. Just hearing me will not grow you up in maturity. But once you participate in what we do as a family and obey, you will grow up in maturity. But that is what we will do here, and that is what we want to see here. And as we have angled the service to saying we want to see young adults, we want to see young men and women, as much as we want to see them grow up in maturity. Many of us fall into this category of being young adults. And we don't know we need the young adults. We need the older men and the older women to come and help us as young adults. So if you're sitting here and you're just a little bit older than the young adults, do not leave us. Stay with us so that we can grow the younger generation to be strong and mighty for the Lord. To them God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Sorry, Him we proclaim warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, struggling with all His energy that powerly works within me. As a leadership of this team, of, of this service, we will use all our energy and we will struggle and we will toil to see Christ mature in all of us. We will struggle and we will toil and we will fall to our faces and pray together so that we can see the young adults, the young men and women, the next generation of this nation grow up in maturity. And this is what God is inviting us into. God is inviting us here as a family. As a family, as brothers. China said it as brothers and sisters to leave an impact in this city. And I don't think there should be one of us that would not want to be involved in laboring for the King of Kings and saying, Lord, oh Lord, do I want to leave a legacy behind me? I want to leave a difference. I want to make a difference. And so here's what God can do in us the moment we all commit. I'm going to share with you what we commit to. Here's what God can do. We can have a moment like this, the 9th of Feb, that we can look back on and say, that was a moment that started a movement that is now unstoppable. It's a moment like this that God brings us together like this. We share something and we say, we're in. The moment we're in, we can create a, a, a momentum that is unstoppable. That is unstoppable. But the only way we create this momentum is as when we have the same vision. There's no way we create this momentum if all of us leave here and scatter and do our own thing. So here's what we're going to do. First and foremost, we're going to be a family. These are your brothers and your sisters in Christ. For those of you who are not yet in Christ, these will become your brothers and sisters in Christ. For those who are out there that will still invite, they will become our brothers and sisters in Christ. This will not be a church nor a service that where we entertain. It will be a place where we equip and we empower and we preach so that your heart can transform and you can become more like Christ. 
to continuously living out the fullness of what God has purposed for each and one of us. Okay. Amen. So let me start. So all of you know, the mission, not all of you know, maybe not all of you know, the mission of this church is we exist to honor God. What does that mean? That means whether you're sitting here or whether you're playing on your phone after the service or whether you're on Facebook or whether you eat or whether you drink, whatever you might do, you're doing it to the honor of God. That's what we, we exist to honor God by establishing Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered and socially responsible churches and campus ministries in every nation. So how will we build? We'll build a service and a people. The service is the people, a people that are honoring God, living Christ-centered, Spirit-empowered. Spirit-empowered means Acts 1 verse 8, you'll receive power to become my witness. Okay? And we'll be socially responsible, caring for everyone out there that is needy. Here's our strategy. This is what we commit to. So as much as we toil, so on this side we toil, on this side we toil, equipping you and helping you, becoming more like God. This is the strategy. This is how we'll impact this nation. But this is how we'll impact this city. And this is how we'll impact this nation and beyond. Let me give it to you. Three things. The first thing is discipleship. We'll be a service known for discipleship. We believe making disciples is the direct outflow of our love for Jesus and therefore at the core of our mission. So here's what we believe. If you say you love Jesus, the outflow of that is that you will help someone else to become like Jesus. If you really say, I love Jesus, I love His mission, I love all things about Him, and I'm becoming more like Him, it means you will help someone else to become more like Him. The heartbeat that keeps the fire burning feeds and matures the church. Discipleship influences our relationship and gives us purpose, direction to outreach. Reaching the lost, this is what you've got to hear. If you, if you remember anything, remember this part. Reaching the lost is our passion. That's what we live for. We are living here, coming together here because we are mindful of people who are not here with us. So reaching the lost is our passion. Growing every individual to maturity is our priority. So here's our passion is reaching the lost. And everybody we reach, we want to grow them to maturity. That is our priority. And the honor of God is our reason. Why do we want to make disciples? Why do we want to mature them? Because we want to honor God. We want to honor God. So that's the first thing. What are we going to do here? We're going to reach the lost with a passion. We're going to mature them in Christ because that is our responsibility. That's our priority. And we're going to do these two things because we want to honor the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Then this is what we're going to do secondly. We want to see the young, everybody coming into this service, the young adults, the young generation, we want to see them raised as leaders. We want to see leaders being raised. We are called to be leaders. We value servanthood as a foundation for all leadership. We value the biblical principles of leadership. And we embrace team leadership. So what's leadership here? Leadership will be a servanthood. How will you know you're a leader in this church? If you serve. If you serve. It's not about an entitle. A title. It's about us becoming like Jesus. Serving. We will raise leaders. We are called to raise up leaders. We prioritize leadership development and deliberately create opportunities for potential leaders to grow in their character, skill, and gift. Leaders produce leaders. So that's what we want to see. We prioritize the next generation. We prioritize the next generation from children to youth to campus and beyond. We are called to be and reproduce spiritual fathers and mothers. We value leadership in every sphere of society. We believe that all Christians are called to lead in a way that will make an impact and bring transformation to their sphere and influence. So the last one is that we want to see you raised as a leader. That all the, the influence, the area of influence that you are, is that you as a leader will make an impact in that area. 
So we're going to raise you up. We're going to raise up. And then lastly, what we'll do in this service is we'll plant churches. We plant churches to reach the lost and transform culture. We encourage, we encourage church growth primarily, primarily through salvation. And we also welcome believers whom God adds to our church. What does that mean? Twofold. Some of you, God added you here. You were not born again here. And God does that. But what we want to see primarily as we have a passion, we want to see lost people getting saved here. When I say here, does not mean here. It means out there where you are influencing them. It means out there, everyone and single one of us are preaching the gospel, leading people to Christ. So how will we do this? How does every nation plant churches? We develop an apostolic culture in the local church. How? We will celebrate and cultivate an apostolic culture that envisions and empowers every member to pray, give and go. So here's how we'll develop an apostolic culture, a sending culture, an outward folking culture. All of us will pray. We'll pray for the nations. We'll pray for the lost. We'll pray for this nation. We'll give. We're going to give time. We're going to give finances. We're going to re- give resources. And then I hope, this is what I hope, I hope all of us can go. What I mean by go is not that you leave Namibia, but you can go on a 10-day mission. That you take some time. We're going to organize missions and that we will go as groups, going to the nations. And we always go to, uh, uh, mi- on missions where there's existing church plants where we already have families busy laboring in the field, and we normally go and assist them. We actually just had, uh, we should have prayed for them as well, but we just had Zambia. Zambia had an an amazing time. A church is being planted there. The guy who who we went to go and visit just signed up for ministry school. He's going to South Africa to do the uh, Every Nation Ministry School of Church Plant. So we're going to see a church planted in Zambia. You know what happened to those guys? Those guys were discipled here on Yunam went back, started making disciples. Where are we heading? We're heading to see a church plant. We just had our uh, southern, no, East African uh, leader, a uh, guy who oversees our East, uh, I think our southern African churches, um, just go and visit them and helping them with direction. So we all have this responsibility to pray for the nations, pray for the lost, give to the nations, or give and then also to go. So why? what do we do with prayer? We bath everything in prayer. Identify and train right now gifted leaders or couple called to lead in specific church plant. Let me share something with you with leadership development. There are some of you sitting in our midst. I guarantee you, and there's some of them still coming that will be raised up to go and plant and lead some of our churches. It's going to happen here. This is our focus. This is what we're going to build. We want to see this happening. Why? Because we want to see the kingdom of God coming. We want to see it happening here. So prepare your heart if it's you. We will recruit and raise strategic church planting teams for campus community and community-based churches. Here's what we're going to see with team. Some of you are here. Some of them are still coming. But you will move. Go and work in another city, another nation. Because you're part of a church plant. I will move. I guarantee you. We're going to move. We will move. There will become a time where I leave and I go and plant a church. Because I know that's what God has called me to do. Then lastly, we go on missions. We do missions to plant churches or support church plants in a variety of ways. Uh, beneficial to the local church plant. Here's one thing you can know about what we don't do is we don't do random missions. So we won't just close our eyes, suck our thumb and say, here we go. We always go on missions where we have current or existing churches or newly planted churches or where we are potentially planting churches. So we're always doing intentional work. Why? Because if we go where there's nothing, we are irresponsible. We will go, reach, make converts, and leave them to disciple themselves. Irresponsible from us. Therefore, we go to places and we take care of the work that we do in the nations. You're part of a bigger family. One thing you need to know, you're part of a bigger family. We are currently 
in 82 nations. We are currently have planted in 82 nations. I think, according to stats, what I heard over the weekend, and I could be a bit off here, but I do think we plant a church. Some of you can correct me if you heard this stat. I think we plant a church at least once a week somewhere in the world. Once a week somewhere in the world, every nation, this movement is planting a church. God has placed us in the body of Christ for a specific reason. And we're going to fulfill it. And God is inviting you and I to be part of this. And this is what I want to invite you in. If this is the place, if this is you say, God, you add me here. Then this is what I'm inviting you in. We'll be a place where we make disciples, we raise leaders, and we plant churches. Join me on this journey. Join me as we reach the young adult. Join me as we reach new people. Some of you will find your other halves here. Why are we going to do that? Why do we... Why do we want you to find them here? Because we want to ensure you find a godly man or a godly woman. Why will we raise up the men? Because we need men leading their homes. Why will we raise up women here? Because we need to have women submissive to their husbands. We will not see this congregation. Not if this is a young, a a young adult congregation. Don't come to me if you didn't find your guy in here. Or somewhere he's born again. I remember... Um, before I got married, there was a certain criteria that my wife had to go through. So here's the criteria. She had to serve in church. Man, if you're not part of the bigger family, what are we what are I going to do with you? I don't want to struggle with you. Those are basics. I had enough issues in, in marriage. Secondly, she had to make disciples. I was asking, are you leading a connect group? Are you reaching others? Are you helping them to become like Christ? Because I need to help you, but you need to help others. So I look, we're going to look at people and look at fruit, but we want to raise up godly men and women in this service. God has placed us here for a reason. God has allowed us and given us the grace to open this service for a reason. God has filled this chair for a reason. God has placed you here this evening for a reason. When we started this service, we could have fitted everybody in this. Right? We were only two, or th I think Alfreda here, Marty, we, we have a few hands that's still left here. Uh, Mega is here, Mega was here was from the start. We were a few hands. But God is growing us and growing us. Why? So that we can go and leave an impact in this nation. Amen. All right. That's, the, that's what we're going to do here. And we'll keep reminding you. So don't worry, if you forgot, we'll come back and remind you. Don't worry. So let's go into the message in my remaining, what is this, 15 minutes. We're going to go into a message which call, is called Inviting Grace. This is the last um, sermon of our six-week series. I can't believe we're already in February in 2020. It's madness. You know, it feels like just last year we were hoping 2020 will come. And here we are almost finishing 2020. <laughs> so this is the last sermon of our series Amazing Grace. What it's not the last of is us as people relying on the grace of God. I want to encourage you to keep on listening to these series. Keep on listening to these sermons. Keep on going back to the messages where you need grace. Go back and seek God for this grace. So we're going to start by looking at the life of Moses. You can just remain on this slide. So we're going to look at how amazing grace transforms our devotional life. How amazing grace transforms our devotional life. So if we look at the life of Moses, we primarily know of the time Moses spent with God on the mountain. So we're aware of that. But there's something very important that we're missing every time. So we always know about Moses on the mountain and Moses meeting God and Moses going up the mountain and having these amazing experiences in the presence of God. But there's something significant that we're overlooking. So Exodus 19 verse 2 to 3. I'm not going to read it. This is just where I got it from. So as Moses and, and them were setting out for Rephidim, they entered the desert of Sinai. And Israel camped there in the desert in front of the mountain. 
So here Moses and them are in front of the mountain. The mountain is right in front of them, going to the top. And God calls Moses to go on top of the mountain. And we recall that Moses went up the mountain in, in some different parts of Exodus about seven times. Seven times Moses went up, came down, went up, came down, went up, came down. If I'm correct, someone else that I read said eight. I don't know where all the references was. I wasn't counting them. But let's say seven times Moses went up the mountain, down the mountain. You know what we miss? We see this amazing Moses in the presence of the Almighty. He can't even face him because of the presence of God. But you know what we don't see? Is Moses had to climb the mountain. Moses had to carry the tablets. Moses had to go up. Moses had to go down. Moses had to wake up. Moses had to do a bit of effort to get on top of the mountain. That's what Moses had to do. You see, because even if we look at, just, just imagine the same picture. Imagine social media. All of you on Instagram and Mainly Instagram is doing the thing now. But when you see the pictures, the posts, what do you normally see? The end product. So I think I was looking at yours uh, when you were flying and she was sitting in quite a nice, I don't know uh, what, it, what, what, what section was of the plane, but she was sitting. But you know, that's all I saw. So I know status or in anybody else's, I saw this nice plane and all these drinks and the shoes are out and, and it's just <laughs> relaxing. Ne? This was social media, so it cannot be private. Right? So imagine, that's all I see. But you know what I didn't see? I didn't see her packing a bag. I didn't see her driving to the airport. I didn't see her filling in the papers, stamping her passport, and having all of that doing that she still had to do before she could have sit down and have that experience. And so we have the ability to actually have that time with God every day, what Moses had on the mountain, but it's going to require some effort on our side. It's going to require you to wake up in the morning. It's going to require for you to open your Bible and read, even if you do not understand. It's going to take some time. It's going to take some. Uh, it's going to take effort for you to put away distractions, put away the movies, put away the social media, put away the games, put it away, so that you can come into this place the same way Moses did and experience what Moses did with God. So we need to make the effort. You see, so God invites us daily into His presence daily, saying, come to me, oh son and daughter, oh just come to me, I just want you to be with me, I want you to be in my presence, but it's going to require some effort. And we know the famous saying, everybody want to be like Christ, but no one wants to pay the cost. Everybody wants the life of Christ and the overcoming victories and how did He manage not to sin and do all of these, but no one wants to make the actual effort. To become like Christ. Here's a quote. It says, Grace is opposed to earning, not effort. Grace is opposed. Grace is opposed to um, earning, not effort. Grace is free. But for you to access it, it costs, it's going to take you some effort. It's free. If I tell you this iPad here, you can take it. If I leave the service, you can come and grab it. You need to get up. You need to use some of your leg muscles. You need to pick it up. It's, gonna, it's free, but you need to make the effort. We don't have to do anything to earn our place in God's presence. But there will be an effort we make by God's grace to remain there. The good news of the gospel is not that we are invited one time to be near to God. But, what, but that what we have, an open invitation by the grace to confidently come before Him. So guess what? God Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, wants all of us daily to come into His presence. He's inviting us. He's saying, come my son, come my daughter. I want you to spend time with me. I want you to be with me. I want to change your life. I want to make you more like me. Will you make the effort? Will you wake up?
Will you open? Will you take the shower that's needed to get you awake to read? Whatever you need to do. So here's our main text. Hebrews 4 verse 12 to 16. Hebrews 12, 4 verse 12 to 16. Ach, Hebrews chapter 4, yeah, verse 12 to 16. For the Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us then, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in a help in the time of need. I want to give us a short prayer. Lord, we thank you for this message. Lord, I thank you that in this short time, God, that I have to, to bring this message across, that you'll speak clearly to us. But Father, the end goal is to bring people, invite people, let people see you're inviting them into your presence. God, bless our time together, Lord. And I pray that you open this word in this time. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So here, I want to give you a bit of a biblical background of Hebrews, and then we're going to dive straight into it. So the high priest, the high priestly identity and function of Jesus is spotlighted in this passage. This is incredibly important for the biblical story. A priest's job is to meditate between God and people. He is the reconciling agent um, working to bring the humans to bring humans and God back together. So in the Old Testament, you had this high priest was the mediator between God and the people. So there was this middle man who had to usher the people into the presence of God. He was responsible. In the Torah, I think that's the five, first five books of the Bible, in the Torah, there was so much hope placed on the high priest because if he didn't do his job right, then even, oh, sorry, there was, so much, um, there was so much hope placed on the high priest because if he didn't do his job right, then, even, then everyone was in big trouble. Every little detail of his life and, and preparation mattered. In the order for him to be qualified to make the proper sacrifices for the sins of the people, he had to be ritually clean and pure before God. This was a nerve-wracking process because all humans are prone to uncleanliness and impurity. So imagine this. So here's the first point. As the Old Testament had the high priest, Jesus is our true high priest. Jesus is our true high priest. It says, since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession, for we do not... Um, have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who is in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus comes along as our high priest, and this is good news for us on two levels. One, He's like us. God is like us. God becomes man in Jesus Christ, lives the life that you and I were supposed to live, faces the trouble, faces the temptation, goes through all of that. So there's nothing that you can go through. You, you cannot say your circumstances are different. Jesus faced what you and I faced. So He's like us. So if you're facing temptation or you're facing hardship or you're struggling to overcome something, Jesus understands that. So the one aspect is this is good news. He's like us. He understands us. He knows about us. He knows your heart. He knows your, your struggles. He knows exactly right now in this moment what you're going through. And He can sympathize with that. Here's the second part why it's good news. He's not like us. So on the one part, He's like us, which is good news. And the other side, which is good, He's not like us. Why? 
Because whatever he struggled with, he overcame. And we need that. Who do you go to normally? When I struggled, you know who I went to? I went to someone who was not struggling or who overcame. It doesn't mean they had to fall. It doesn't mean they had to sin. They just had this thing once in their life and they overcame it. And so you'll normally go to that person, right? You won't. Otherwise, we, we just encourage one another and we try to build, but you're struggling just as much as I'm struggling. So this is the one reason why we need to go to Jesus. Because He's the one who sympathizes with us, but He's also the one who said, I overcame that. Come to me and I'll help you. So come to me and I'll help you. So what does this mean for us? This means for us that Jesus is extremely approachable and personal and yet powerful and able to transform us. Because Jesus is not he's like us, He's approachable. He's personal. I understand you. Come to me, my son. Come to me, my daughter. But yet He's not like us because He overcame it. So He's powerful enough to help you to overcome. So I've got to go a bit quicker. So the first point, Jesus is the true high priest. He's the one who torn the veil, opened the way for us to be, to come into the presence of God. So He's like us, He understands everything, and yet He's not like us. Um, he overcame everything. There is no reason then to hide. There is no reason then to hide. And no creature is hidden from His sight. Here's what you've got to know. Do what you do, but it's not hidden. Your struggles is not hidden. I may not know, and the person next to you may not know, but Jesus knows. But all are naked. You have clothes on, and you try to cover it with other things and different things, but actually you're naked. God can see everything. God sees where I can't see. God sees where you're doing it in the secret. And, and, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of Him to whom we must give account. So God sees every single struggle of ours, every single weakness, every single temptation, every single hardship is before Him. And you can try to cover up as much as you want, the same way Adam and Eve did. God sees it. So here's what God wants to do. The third point. The last point. How does amazing grace transform our devotional life then? It transforms us from three things. For the Word of God is living and active. The Word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. So the Word of God here, you got to understand, it's not this. This is the Word of God. But you know when you read the Word of God, you want to get to the person of God. You want to get to the person of you. Why do you read your Bible? So that you can know the person, not the words. You want to know the person of Christ. Who is Jesus? Who is He? So that's why it says the Word of God is living and active. It's alive. It's breathing. It's active, meaning it's effective and it's sharper. So the Word of God is alive, active and it is sharp. So here's what the amazing grace of God wants to transform our the, uh, devotional lives from. The first one, just yet, is entitlement. Entitlement. Entitlement means I'm better than you. I'm entitled. There's some form of status. And this is sometimes what we do with sin, because we think we're not as bad as we think, so we feel entitled to come into the presence of God. Somehow you deserve to be in the presence of God. But you know what the Word of God says? This, uh, it says all are wicked. There is none on this earth that are righteous. None of us deserve to come into the presence of God. When you step into the presence of God, it is merely because of the grace of God. It is merely by invitation. It is not an entitlement. Imagine you show up to the state house. Get to the security gate. Ask the security guard, I want to see the president. Who invited you? No one. I deserve to be here. That guy will chase you. He will chase you. But when you're invited, it's different. And that's what God does with us. So do not minimize your sin. 
but see how unworthy we really are and how amazing it really is to move into the presence of God. So the lower view of our sin, the less valuable and relevant grace becomes. So the lower the view, the more you justify or minimize or think your sin is just, oh, it's just self-pity. Oh, it's just irritation. Oh, I, I just did a white lie. I don't want to want to go to those things. Let's just stick here because those are the common things. The moment we think and we minimize this, the grace of God becomes less valuable and relevant to our lives. Less valuable because it's a free thing, but you feel so entitled. That's the first one. The second thing the grace of God wants to transform, our, uh, transform us from is apathy. Apathy. This really literally means just a lack of interest. So this means just because you have free access to God, it doesn't mean it was free. So here's the point. It is easily, it is easy to get to a point in your walk, especially in a nation like this, where you entering the presence of God, meaning you reading your Bible and praying, becomes such a, a small, mundane, ordinary thing. So we lose the interest, we lose the value of what it really means to come into the presence of God. But this is what God invites us into, but you, because of, of this lack of interest, because of this, this point we're at where we think, ah, yeah, I can do this anytime, any place, anyhow, we lose the power of our time with God. Because you see, just the fact that you can enter the presence of God for free didn't mean it didn't cost Jesus anything. The same way when they were preaching this morning, I thought it was a brilliant example that the guy was given. He said, Imagine I buy you a car, 4.5 million, and I give it to you for free. Would you like that? What car would you want? I don't know, a Bentley, Rolls Royce. They say, buy your Rolls Royce. Give it to you. Even though it's free for you, it cost me 4.5 million. And that's exactly the same way with God. Just the fact that you can enter His presence for free, it cost Him His life for you to have this freedom today. It cost him everything. It cost him to be bruised. It cost him to a place where someone else had to help him carry his cross because that's how bruised he was. He couldn't carry his own cross to the place of crucifixion. And so our freedom in entering the presence of God was not free. And I, I believe God wants to transform our minds of thinking this mundane, I actually want to call it this stupid way. Of thinking, oh my word, I can just be in the presence of God. It cost him his life for you to enter it. It cost him his life for you to enter it. It cost him his life for you just to pray and read your word today. It cost him every single thing. And second, lastly, autonomy. Autonomy. One of the best ways to avoid obedience is to avoid his word god is inviting us to into his presence and under his authority here's what happened many times we skip reading and praying and we contribute that to busyness and we contribute to that to a lack of discipline or you contribute that to movies and games you know what it actually is it's a lordship issue because you're not under the, govern, on, on, under the leadership or the authority of God. You want to self-govern yourself. You want to lead yourself. That's why you go into the presence of God, or spend time in the Word of God, or obey God when you want to, because you're leading yourself. But the moment He leads you, you'll not skip. The moment He leads you, you'll not not obey. But the moment you lead yourself and you become the authority, you're going to lead yourself and you're going to determine when it's the right time to spend the time with the Word of the God. When is it the right time to pray? When is it the right time to, um, to evangelize? When is it the right time oh, can I, to just be in a connect group? When is it the right time? You're going to start deciding that and not the authority of God. So God is calling us to come into His presence by His grace. 
but you're approaching the throne. That means you're coming under His authority. You're coming under His leadership. Not yours. So let not your emotions and your feelings and your circumstances dictate your life with God. Let you, because of this expensive price and this free access into the throne room of God, and you're under this authority, let that dictate your life. Then lastly is timidity. If you allow shame to determine how much God desires you in His presence, you'll never approach Him consistently, let alone confidently. Here's what you've got to know about this part. It doesn't matter the sin that you have now, you can approach God in His throne room. doesn't mean you can continue, but you can bring the struggle. You can bring your circumstance. Why? Because your status as a son and a daughter in the house of God is set. You're His child. Imagine, like, imagine, imagine, um, where, man, that, that boy at the back, he's born into that mom's family, right? He couldn't choose it. That status is fixed. He can't decide today, no, I'm no longer a child in this house. Even if he leaves, he stays a child. He's going to be a child in that house. That's the same way. And you know who has the authority and the freedom to bust through the rooms when it comes to kings and priests and uh, presidents? It's the children. The only person that would walk into into a high authority or if his dad is a king freely, doesn't matter, he doesn't care who's there, Going freely is sons and daughters. And so God does not want us to live this life of shame and, Oh Lord, oh Lord, I don't know if I can enter your presence. Oh Lord, my my sin is just so big. It's because your sin is so big that you should enter. It's because of that, because He paid for that. So in that throne room, He's going to shower you with His amazing grace and help you to resist this and show you, my son, oh, let me just help you out of this. Shame tells us to hide. Grace calls us to be found. I need to conclude. Here's the conclusion. So let us then, verse 16, I don't think it's there. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace in a time of need. Let us then draw near. So here's what God is doing to all of us. Whether, wherever you find yourself, God is calling you saying, enter my throne room of grace. Approach me with confidence. No matter the struggle, no matter the circumstances, no matter where you, where you might stand or your marriage might stand or whatever might stand, you can approach me. I want you to come into my presence. I want you to be with me. I want to help you. I want to spend time with you. I want you to change your heart so that you can become more like me. I want to speak to you, help you that you come back to that original purpose, that original creation that I had in mind where you're made in my image. That's what God is inviting you and I into tonight. Into a daily, daily entering His presence. Freely because of a heavy, heavy price He paid. Each and one of us tonight. And here's what I trust God does when we leave this place. The next time you read your Bible and you pray, That you do not find words, you find Him. That you find Him. That's my prayer. If you want to know what I'm trusting God for in this time, I'm trusting God, oh, when I read this, can I just find you? Because I have enough red words. I want to see you. I want to know the person of Christ. And you know what it's going to take? It's going to take effort. You're going to wrestle. You're going to get discouraged. But the grace of God is sufficient for you to enter that throne room again and again and again and again. Because God wants to meet you. God wants to help you so that you become more like Him. So that you can bear fruit wherever you are in this world. So that you can make an impact. So that you can grow up in maturity in Jesus. Let's stand so I can pray for us.
Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord, for this time that we have this evening, God. And I thank you for the series that we have gone through in your amazing grace, Lord. And God, I thank you tonight that you're inviting every single heart to come into your presence, Lord. Every single person. God, and I pray that they... God, I pray, Lord, that we will make the effort to enter, Lord. God, help us to set aside distractions. And I want, I want to pray with you. If you. I want you to think of one of these areas. Was it entitlement that kept you? Was it a lack of interest that keeps you from coming to the throne? Or is it, is it you, self-government? You, you leading yourself? Or is it shame that's preventing you? I want you to repent and say, God, forgive me of that and help me to come back again. Help me to enter your presence again. Just in your heart right now, I just want you to do that. And then there may be some of you standing here and saying, I, I've never even known this. I never even knew I can be in a relationship with God like this and enter His presence. And something in your heart is happening. And you want to come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I want you to put up your hand wherever you are so that I can pray with you. If there's someone here this evening. Okay. So let's pray together. Lord, I just release your people also right now. God, I pray your hand over them. Lord, I pray that this is a year that we establish the foundations of grace and we'll live by them, God. Your abundant grace, your sufficient grace, your sanctifying grace, your enriching grace, God, and your inviting grace. Lord, this is a time where your people, God, us, Lord, would be so in your presence and we'll be so effective out there in this world, God, that this city will no longer be the same. Because every time we open our Bibles and we read, we meet you. And God, I pray for those, God, who does it. And God, I pray that when we don't or when we hit the barrier, when we feel it's not moving, I pray that we'll not stop but press through, Lord. And so, God, I pray that you keep your hand upon this people, Lord. God, grow them, mature them in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit envintook.org.